Hey, good people, and welcome to Bible School. This is Reverend Kojo. Yes, the same Reverend Kojo that does life school. And I've, I'm starting a journey tonight, and we're going to go through the Bible. Yes, the entire Bible. We're going to start tonight in Genesis 1. And we're going to take our time and we're going to move through it. I'm going to try to give you my typical comedic take on the word, but I am going to try to make sure that you get the whole word and the truth, nothing but the truth. Uh, so help me God. But we're going to start today at Genesis 1-1. So, you know, I think we've, in order to talk about Genesis 1-1, we have to really understand what we're dealing with here. So Genesis first, the word means beginnings. And I think it is very fitting that not only is Genesis 1-1 the creation of the world as we know it, but Genesis 1-1 also is the beginning of the love story. Um, a lot of us want to go, we, some, some of us like to go back before Genesis and we're going to kind of talk about that tonight. I've, I've, I've got myself on a timer, so I'm just going to stop talking after an hour and we'll just pick up next week or next time because I'm contemplating whether I'm going to do this weekly or more than that. Uh, but we're going to start here at Genesis one, one, but, but I want to, I want to understand this Genesis means beginning. And so this is the Genesis of the word of God. This is the beginning of the word of God. This is not the beginning of God. Uh, This is the beginning of the story and the world as we know it. And there are a lot of scholars who don't believe that this is the beginning of the world, but, but rather the beginning of this era that we know. Um, And so it, we kind of have about 6,000 years worth of knowledge here in the Bible and a little bit past that, because we do, we can explore into other books and they talk about the fall of Lucifer, which happened much before, um, well, well before, um, the heavens. And so we're going to go ahead and jump in. Genesis 1, 1 is very familiar passage. It says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now there are a lot of people who believe in that space between in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and verse two that says the earth was without form and void and the darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now in verses one and two, it is often believed that this is the beginning of life as we know it. And so some of us hold to the, to the belief that the earth is only 6,000 years old and the 6,000 years that we can account for them from the time that God said in verse three, let there be light until the time that we know has been 6,000 years. And we have, we have record of that, but then scientists would like to suggest, well, we have these bones of these dinosaurs who existed well before Adam or Eve or before God said, let there be light as we know it. And so how do we how do we bring the Bible and bring what we know of God and what we know of science uh, together? Because as educated people, oftentimes that is where we miss the boat. And that's that kind of sucks. How do you miss the boat at Genesis one? Well, we didn't miss the boat. We know that God is yet sovereign. God is yet real. And, and here's, here's what we, what we can, we can ascertain. There's a, there's this concept called the pre-Adamites. Um, and the belief is that between in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was out without form and void. The darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of the God was hovering over the face of the waters between there. And when God said, let there be light, that there was years and years and years. Now, I don't know how many movies you all watch. I think I've watched, and I can't remember the name of the movie, but the movie w- suggested that life resets itself and, and the earth begins to consume itself. And all of these things begin and end. Now, in several, several weeks, in several, several ses- sessions, probably hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of podcasts later, we're going to get to the book of Revelation. And the book of Revelation is the last book of the 66 books of the Bible. And, the, and I'm actually conducting a Bible study, two Bible studies on the book of Revelation between two different groups right now. Um, and there is, is, is something that happens in the book of Revelation where the, it says the old earth and the old heavens will pass away and there will be a new earth and a new heaven. And if we were to subscribe to such an idea, we could believe that after such time, the earth may reset itself. But we don't have any concrete evidence. This is not something we can build a theology on. And so this is not something I want you to go out and say that Reverend Kojo said that in, in when, when the, after the rapture and after the millennial reign that the earth is just going to reset itself like it did 6,000 years ago. We have no proof of that. Now, as educated people who believe that God is sovereign and we believe that the source of science is indeed God, yes, I do. 
I do. And I know some people like to separate science and they like to separate God, but I believe that God is the source of science. And I believe that time and time again, that we can find God written on every page of every letter, uh, in this word and in this world. As we see miracles come together and as we see things happen, as we put numbers together and we crunch them and we sit in classes and we talk about evolution and we talk about the big bang theory, I believe it all comes back to God. I believe fervently that everything comes back to his sovereign hand and his sovereign plan. Now, because I wasn't here 6,000 years ago or 6 million years ago, as this is just the earth is in age, because I wasn't here that long ago, I can't say with great conviction that this is what happened. But as we explore scripture, it will become evident and easy to make sense of that this could be a possibility because there are indeed bones of dinosaurs that are older than six, uh, 6,000 years. And so if there are indeed bones that are older than 6,000 years, I think it necessary and possible and very probable that it's very possible, very likely that God, um, allowed, another set of humans or another set of life to live on the earth because it says the earth was without form and void. The earth was. And so the earth had in order for the earth to have been it, it there had to be something that came for there to be a was because it, it didn't say that he spoke and the, and the word earth was formed. It said the earth was without form and it was void. And so it was without form. And so we could assume that he was saying that the earth was not like we knew it for it to be void. The earth was empty. That doesn't mean that it was not once plentish. Uh, didn't want at one point have anything on it. It just says that at this point, when he gets ready to speak that let there be light, let there be life. Let there be whatever should follow. That says at that moment in history, there was nothing there. If there was nothing there, that would mean that we wouldn't have history books to look back that far. There's nobody to tell the account. And so you better believe that when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God about it. And, and, and I'm going to ask God about it because I want to know. And I do, I do not want you to take this as doctrine. I want you to look at these scriptures and I want you to come to your own conclusions. Because I believe the word is true. I completely believe the word is true, but, and, and, and as this is the beginning of our study, I do want you to understand that the old Testament is the concealment of Jesus Christ. And it conceals a lot of things. And the new Testament is the revealing of Jesus Christ. And so we see Jesus Christ written on every page and we see many secrets that were hidden in the old Testament coming to light. And so I would believe that this could be something that was both that is concealed uh, and and I'm, it may have been concealed over into the common area era or the BC, uh, the AD, the year of our Lord era that we know so well and that we keep time from. Uh, but I do I do want you to keep mind of that because of this, because as educated people, it is very common that people are, are quick to be able to get us off of our faith and they want to disprove it. But I believe that the Bible can prove anything, anything that is truth. Uh, anything that it has said, I believe that it has truth in it. I believe that it, it will be truth. Um, but we must first read the scriptures with a dissecting eye. We've got to read the scriptures with a dissecting eye. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was with, without form and was void. And darkness was over the face of the deep. Y'all, it wasn't no light. You couldn't see your hand in front of your face. And the spirit of the God was hovering over the face of of the water. So there was water. Um, and, and this is just me playing, playing crazy. And this is not doctrine, but, but it sounds like earth looked a lot like Neptune. Have you all looked at Neptune? You know, I had, when I was a kid, I had this, uh, this toy, uh, and, and my mom bought it. And I, I didn't understand why she always brought us these, these toys that were made us like smart. Uh, but I had this toy and it had all the nine planets. Yes, I do believe Pluto is a planet. It had the nine planets and the sun uh, with their moons around them. And you could click on them and tell you facts about it. Well, Neptune, um, if you're not familiar, Neptune looks like it's just water. 
It doesn't have any land masses on it, it's just water. And so if we were to just imagine what the scripture was saying to us, but it said it was without form, so it may not have been round. Uh, But if I had to imagine, I would just say it looked like Neptune. But this is my imagination. This is not doctrine. This is not scripture. This is just if, if I had to picture what I thought it was, I would imagine it looked like Neptune. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. That's why I said that, because the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, which means there was water there. That's why I said I thought it looked like Neptune. It was it was hovering over the face of the waters, and he was think I would imagine God was sitting there thinking, "What can I do next?" Now we think about this. There was no beginning or end of days to God. Do we really want to believe that all of this time that God was not doing anything? I believe this was the beginning of the love story toward us. And so this is why it is relevant to us. I know we are hungry for knowledge and we want to know all these things. And we are so interested in what was, what shall be, and what can be. And so we want to know what came before us. But I'm willing to bet that we're much like um, a country farmer that I'm sure you're familiar with. The man was accredited to the creation of many uh, findings in the peanut world. Do you know who I'm talking about? He's accredited to finding Tuskegee University. George Washington Carver. George Washington Carver, I, I really I really admire this man. He was taking a walk one morning, and, and, and I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and preface this. I take this course, so I hope you can follow me. But George Washington Carver was uh, taking a walk one morning, and it was his custom to get up before the sun rose to go and talk with God. And when he would get up to go speak with God, he would often find himself on these walks. And so he was so close to God. He asked God one morning, he said, God, why did you create the universe? And God said, ah, oh, that is far too much for your little imagination. Okay. Well, God, why did you create the earth? Far, far, far too much for your little imagination. Okay. Well, God, God, why did you create the oceans? Far too much for your little imagination. Okay. God, what about the forest? Why did you create the forest? Far too much for your little imagination. Well, God, 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 why, oh, why did you create mankind? Well, that's far too much for your imagination. Smaller, George, smaller. Okay. Well, what about plants? What about all of the greenery? Why did you create greenery? George, your brain can't handle that. I created you for a reason, but your brain can't handle that. Okay. Well, God, why did you create the peanut? And God said, okay, I can give you that, George. Go back to your laboratory, and I want you to go separate them out in polymers, fibers, uh, and oils. And I'm going to show you just why I created the peanut. I'm going to show you how useful this can be in your life and many others. And you know what? He went back to his, 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 uh, his, his laboratory, and he discovered this thing called peanut butter <laughs> that we love. He discovered many ways to oil uh, our, our door sockets and plenty of food options. And it, this came at a time where he was praying because he was trying to help these people. He told the farmers of the, of the antebellum south, he'd say, he said, hey, you need to rotate your crops. Stop crop, stop planting the same thing over and over again. Plant some peanuts. Well, the problem at the time was that when he planted peanuts, <laughs> they had no use for them. Nobody used them but to eat peanuts, and so they weren't in high demand. So he went to God and he said, I need some help. And God showed him what to do there with the peanuts. And once he showed him what to do with the peanuts, he went back and told him about all these uses. And, and the market for peanuts not only doubled, tripled, or quadrupled, but it became a market that we never would have imagined living without in our day and age. Why, Reverend Kojo, did you just tell us about George Washington Carver? Why did you just tell us about that story? I know it was wonderful, and you're probably eating some peanut butter. I know I like peanut butter on my apples. Uh, and you're, and you're, but you're, I'm, I'm sure you're sitting here like, what does this have to do with Genesis? I'm willing to bet that just as George Washington Carver could not handle the knowledge of the universe, the knowledge of the earth, the knowledge of the forest, the knowledge of the seas, the knowledge of mankind, although his brain could not handle those things, and he was a pretty bright cry, uh, 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 cookie. He, he was awesome. He was a guy that God really did bless. 
But what happened here is he could not handle the knowledge. So I'm willing to bet that in the in between verses one and two and where they transition to three, there is a difference. And he omitted some things because we could not handle them. There are plenty of things throughout these 66 books that we can't have, that we struggle to handle as it is. Plenty of things, Genesis and Revelation both are very hard books. They're both books that we struggle to understand. And we struggle to make hay of, of them both because they have complexities. There are things that are hidden in them. There are truths that are buried between lines and we struggle with them. What if God told us and gave us six million years of history and told us all of these stories, we would miss the point of what he's trying to tell us. We know the acronym Bible stands for basic B, I, I, instruction I, before B, leaving L, earth. This is not complex. I know it seems complex. This book seems like it is almost impossible to interpret. It seems like there are things that we cannot understand that our brains cannot maintain. There are things that seem a little far-fetched and there are things that we just cannot comprehend. But what if he wrote six million years of history? What if he wrote an eternity of history in the Bible? A, we wouldn't make it through it in our lifetime. And B, our brains wouldn't be able to handle it. And he did us, I believe a great blessing by not telling us all about the things that came before us because they're irrelevant to the life that we're living today. I understand we hunger for knowledge because I do just like you're listening to this podcast. I listen to several other podcasts daily. I listen to great biblical scholars daily. I study the word. I study topics I'm interested in just today. I spent an hour an hour comparing my Myers-Briggs personality type to somebody else's because I wanted to understand the way that we communicate with one another and how could we communicate better. I spent an hour. And so we hunger for this knowledge. What if he would have given us 6 million years of history? We would have missed the point. We would have been so buried in knowledge that we would have missed God. And how terrible would that have been? We miss God for his word. Oh man, that's just, that's just my beliefs. I encourage you just to be like the other churches to search this word daily, to read this word daily. I pray that as we go through these scriptures, that you will, will search this word and that you will come and find the words that I am, I'm saying to find. I hope you find them to have the truth that I believe they do, but I want you to know for yourself, because when you get to heaven and God asks you, why did you see say this, believe this? I want you to be able to say, not that Reverend Kojo told me, but Reverend Kojo told me, and so I went and looked it up on myself, and I, th- I believe that is the truth. Okay, moving along. And I understand we, we've been on here for, oh, good boy, we've been on here for 20 minutes, and we're only at verse 3. How wonderful is that? Hopefully we can, we can speed this up. Verse 3, and God said, let there be light. And guess what? There was light. And God saw that it was, the light was good. And God separated the light from darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Now there's controversy, right? So there's this one school of thought that believes in the pre-Adamites. Like I was just talking about. And they believe that there was a time period before the heavens, before the period of time we know now. And then there is this one school of thought that, that believes this, that one day is like a thousand years to God. Um, and that is scriptural. And so if one day is but a thousand years to God, we can, people would ascertain that in the seven days that it took him to make earth, that the time was elapsing much slower or much faster than what we know it. And so since the time was elapsing much faster or much slower than what we know it, all of the things that could have happened, should have happened, would have happened on earth, it's very possible that that within what God accounts to be one day, very well could have been the the period in which we see dinosaurs, or we see cavemen, or we see a multiplicity of things. Now, we can look at these things, and we can deduce what we want to believe. But here, it doesn't do us a whole lot of good, because 
in the grand scheme of things, God said, let there be light on whatever day he decided to be, let there be light. Whether this was the first time he decided to let there be light, or this was the thousandth time he said, let there be light in the beginning of where it counts to us. He said, let there be light. Y'all, it is one of the most amazing things in scripture to me that God said, let there be, and it was followed by light. And all of a sudden, something that was not in existence came into being. He said that the, he, he was, it was darkness was over the face of the deep. So in the midst of pure darkness, in the midst of pure darkness, God speaks and life light becomes a thing. Now, if you study science at all, you know that light is one of the most basic needs to survival in the presence of darkness. Most things cannot survive, but when light has a variable, when light happens, energy often springs forth. When light happens, growth happens. When light appears, there are the things that were seemingly dead come to life. And so light happens after he said, let there be. Now, I know this is a Bible study, but I do want to encourage somebody who is, who is struggling with something that just because it is dark in your life, metaphorically, does not mean that God was absent. Remember, he said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form or void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And in the very next sentence, in the same verse, it says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. It was dark, but God was present. It was bleak, but God was present. Just because things seem to be dark in your life, just because things seem to be going left in your life, just because you can't understand why they left, you can't understand why things are falling apart and you cannot understand why it seems like you're not winning in this season. It does not mean that God is not present. It means that he's getting ready to say, let there be. He's getting ready to say, let there be light or let there be life. Let there be health and let there be wealth. Just because it seems dark today doesn't mean that it's going to be dark tomorrow. And that's both physically and that's both metaphysically, that's both spiritually and that's emotionally. In whatever realm you're deciding to dwell in today, understand that just because it seems dark doesn't mean that the one who can create light is not present. Okay, moving on with our Bible study, because I really do want to get past verse five tonight, uh, hopefully much further than that. He said, let there be light and light became a thing, y'all. And God saw that the light was good. Okay, he said it was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. Okay. So, and he called them the light day and the darkness he called night. So simple as that. When it's dark outside, it's nighttime. And when it's light outside, it is daytime. I know we, we kind of get things kind of confused because at midnight we say it's morning, but it's still dark outside. <laughs> we do. And when it's dark outside, but even, even though it's midnight or, or it's 1159, it's still, it's nighttime. Well, God said this, he said, I call light day and darkness night. And we've kind of held on to it and we, we kind of subscribe to it, but I guess we had to get a little more precise, but according to God, day, day is light and night is dark. And there was evening and there was morning and the first day. So the, in the first day he's in the first day, y'all imagine this God, God, God says, all right, I'm going to create this thing called a day. Let there be light. And then there's light. All of a sudden, all of the angels or whomever is, is there is like, whoo, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what? <laughs> I didn't know I looked like this. I couldn't see. Wow. And so let there be light happens. And all of a sudden, there is this, this brightness and this astrogen, because we know light is an astrogen, that just comes in and it creates something that we have not seen before this point. Verse six, he says, and God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and it separated the waters and under the expanse from the waters, there were above the expanse. And so it was. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning. Okay, that's English Standard Version. What does the King James say? 
God made the firmament and it divided, divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. So we, we're looking at this thing, and I think I'm going to go back to the English Standard Version, version uh, because it reads just a little better. Okay, and so what we have here is God could not only create, so we know that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, but now we see a separation act happening where he divides heaven and earth from one another. Um, and so, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's possible that there was just one great large existence. And so I like to play, like I like to go and look at this thing and kind of like play conspiracy theory. What if... All of the universe was one. You know, he, he, he divided, he said, let there be something that divides heaven and earth. And he called it an expanse in the English Standard Version. He called it the firmament in the uh, King James Version. But what if earth, the universe, and all the other planets were one? What if they were one? And so then that would cause one to debunk this so-called Big Bang Theory, which I don't necessarily believe that there was not a Big Bang, but I believe the Big Bang was God, and I believe that it was ordered. I don't believe that it came out of randomness. I believe that it was God being God in his infinite power. And so, yeah, I, I believe it was a Big Bang. I just don't believe that it, it happened the way they think it happened. But I digress uh, because I do believe that the Bible is true. And I believe that what the Word says is what happened. Uh, but, I mean, we we could look at this thing and we could say maybe heaven and earth were the same until he caused the expanse to separate them. Now, here's what I want us to understand. And I was teaching a Bible study earlier today on Revelation, and this this this, this same concept does apply. We as humans think in 3D. Particle scientists and physicists here on earth can think in 11 in 11 dimensions but at the typical human here on earth thinks in three dimensions those three dimensions and or those 11 dimensions are only here on earth those are only cognitive to the human man. When we begin to tap into the spirit realm, when we begin to tap into what happens outside of this carnal body, when we begin to tap into what happens outside of this earth and into everything else and into other existences that many of us have, will have not tapped into, there are more than 11 or more than three dimensions that we have not tapped into. So with that said, the way that we are imagining this in our minds as we are reading this may not be the way that it happened. Now, it doesn't mean that what we're reading is false. What it suggests is that we're having a George Washington Carver moment. No, your brain cannot handle that. Um, and, and we have to look at it and read it for what it is. Possibly they were heaven and earth the way that we, we pictured them, and they were existing together, and God created something and separated them. And so we could say uh, uh, an expanse could possibly be something physical, but it could also be something metaphysical. It could also be something spiritual. Um, and so we can play conspiracy theory all day. There are different theories from different theologians. But at the begin beginning and the end of the day, he, he separated heaven from earth. And at some point, the Bible suggests that they were one. Okay. And then... God called the, and then it says, verse 8, and God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening and day on the second day. And then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together, he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And so here we see a separation. First we saw a separation from earth and heaven, now we see a separation from dry land and earth. So we know that there are seven continents and a whole bunch of islands right now. And we believe that uh, God has, we, we believe a whole lot of different things. So we know that there's this theory called Pangea. Now, scripture, you know, scientists suggest Pangea. Scripture would actually support that idea that there was one continent that actually kind of separated from itself over the course of years. Sure. I can, I can believe that. Uh, God called the dry land earth, and in calling the dry land earth, 
um, we call it call it ground. You know, often enough we use that term interchangeably. The, I know the earth, and in a spherical sense, is the earth, but we also call the dirt earth. Uh, they're digging up earth. People say that. I, I I just wanted to throw that out there so that people you know people are quick to try to jump on words and say, well, I don't think I don't believe that. The Bible does not be true. Every word of God is truth. Uh, we just have to make sure that we are reading it correctly and dissecting it correctly. He said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so God called the dry land earth and the waters were gathered together and called seas. We still, that's still true. And God saw that it was good. And verse 11, and God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees, bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to his kind on earth. So here we see the beginning of vegetation and plants and yielding seed, fruit uh, bearing trees, which is their seed according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning and it was the third day. I think that is the most amazing thing. Well, actually, there are a lot of things that I find very amazing in the word of God. But here's here's he was amazing in the beginning of the creation of, of, of the word. God made the earth to be self-supporting. It doesn't mean that there is no need for divine intervention because there is on a daily basis. There is reason for us to pray and there is reason for us to tap into the truth of who God is. But what I love about God is God made it so that we could replenish and re-exist over and over and over again. Now, back to my conspiracy theory. Yeah, that would really support this, this in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth and the gap. Uh, but we're not going to go down that road right now because uh, we do need to get through the scripture. But he created plants that are seed yielding, which means that they will replenish themselves year and year after year in and year out. That you can take the seed that is in the fruit and plant it in the ground. And I love using this analogy because I really like oranges and apples. So if I eat an orange tonight, which makes me want to go to Kroger and go get an orange when I finish this. So if I eat an orange tonight and my orange is great, I mean, just flat out delicious. If I eat an orange and I take those seeds out of the orange tonight and I go put them in my backyard. In a couple of years, that tree is going to wax strong and it's going to begin to create oranges. Now, that orange probably came with two or four seeds. I'm not really sure. And it kind of depends on which orange I get. But it's going to come with two or four seeds. In that, in that, those four seeds, let's say four seeds, are going to create maybe a hundred oranges or more a year. Let's say that the tree lives to be 200 years old. Now, y'all do the math. That's like, good God Almighty, what? 20,000 uh, 20, oranges over its lifetime? And that's if I did the math right because I tried to do it in my head. Y'all, 20,000 oranges come from one orange. Now, that orange came from one tree that produced 100. So one tree has the potential to feed an entire generation. And watch, we're going to get into that entire idea later on in this study, maybe like in 100 lessons or so, when we get to other portions of the Bible. Actually, it'll probably be sooner than that because it'll probably be Genesis. But it's so exciting that God created his creation to be able to replenish itself, but yet still need him. He created his creation to still be able to carry itself so that he can tend to much larger puzzles and much larger problems so that he can tend to the needs of this thing that we're going to see that he creates called human. And we come with our own set of issues and problems, but he creates this earth to be able to not only support itself, but to support us. And it is one of the most beautiful acts. And it's not even the most beautiful act that he does. Like he like goes above and beyond for his children on this regular basis. And it is absolutely wonderful uh, that he thinks so highly of us and that he loves us like he does. And it just blows my mind. But hey, I digress. <laughs> uh, but, but the Bible, the scripture continues um, it, it continues in verse 14 and he says, and God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens and give light upon the earth. And it was so. And let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens. And so in this view, in this word, the heavens would be like the solar system of the universe. Well, so we don't know exactly where, like, 
like heaven itself is, but in the heavens, plural, the universe, we know that there's this thing called the sun. Uh, and that's science. Look, science is pointing back to God. Isn't that just wonderful? So we know that there's this thing called the sun, and the sun um, lights up the earth, right? And it keeps us healthy and happy and all of these wonderful things. And without it, it's believed that our life would not be able to be supported here on earth. Greatness. God thought enough of us to leave light. And not only light, but a light that we would revolve around so that we would have all that we needed. So he, you know, he, let's see, he, he created, he separated the day from the night and he said, let them be for signs and seasons. Now, this is what's awesome. I know I keep saying that, but it is, it's so amazing. We remember, let this be for signs and seasons. So we know that in science class, we learn that the earth rotates and we rotate on its axis as it rotates around the sun. As it rotates around the sun, we know that as it shifts away from the sun or towards the sun, the weather on earth actually gets hotter and cooler. So when it gets hotter and cooler, we also know that as it gets hotter and cooler, that different things grow on earth. And so 14 supports 11, 12, and 13. And so without being able to give us a science lesson in which we would gain later, much later, he gives us all that we need. He lets us know that I have provided something that's going to cause the seasons to happen. Now, if the Bible was not true and it was written all these years ago before they made these discoveries, how could it know that the sun would be the reason that we have our seasons? Mm. How would they know that it was the way that the earth was in, in proximity to such a sun or to such a star that we would be able to have seasons that change? God is amazing. He gave us just enough that when we found these things and these things were revealed to us, that it would not discount who he was, but it would only cause him to have more charge to his account. I'm telling you, God is amazing. And when we dig into this thing, it gets deeper and better and sweeter. And he's just so wonderful. But it says, and it be for signs and seasons and for days and for years. And as you know, here it gets, it gets better. We keep time based on how often we rotate around this thing called the sun. We know one full rotation is a year. One full rotation around the, uh, around the axis is a day. It, it, it is the model that is, it was one of the only models of, of timekeeping, I guess, rather uh, of calculation that is universal throughout the entire world. There's no other way to keep time. We don't keep time any other way on earth. All of these other civilizations, we count different. We, we speak differently. We have different uh, calculations and measurements for cooking and baking and for, for takeoff and for speeding down the road. Uh, we even drive on the different sides of the road. We have uh, the imperial system and we have the metric system and we have all of these things on how that we want to keep account. We don't even write the same. There are people who write with their, from the left to right and right to left. And, and we don't, we have all of these differences, but he said this thing called time would be constant. And it's funny to me that this thing called time is held constant in the scriptures. I'm telling you, science will point to God if you will scrub, if you will search the scriptures. If you search science, you can't point to scripture. But if you will search the scriptures, science will always point back to God, if it's real science. Okay, keep on, keep on going. And, and y'all have gotten me excited, so I hope that I'm not moving too quickly. But we're, we're moving on. And he said... Um, 16 and let and God made two great lights the the greater light will rule the day and the lesser light will rule the night now the greater light will rule the day we know that's the sun the lesser light now we know science points to tells us that the the sun happens to be reflected off of what the greater light the sun and it actually gets all of its light from it gets all of its light from the sun but here's the thing you remember they said it was for times and seasons Signs and seasons? Well, we know that the moon is what causes high tide. When the earth is acquainted to the, to the, moon, to the, the moon at a certain points, the tides are going to be higher. Times and seasons. I'm telling you, science will always point back to God. Um, when it's really science. Uh, because he created science. Uh, okay, so verse 18. To rule over the day and over the night, the separate light, to separate the light from darkness, and God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, 
the fourth day. Verse 20, and God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So in other words, God created the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air. And I think that's what the King James actually says, but the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air. And he created them in different denominations and different, different types and different forms. And they had different functions and they have these purposes. And so yet again, Science ports to God <laughs> because we know that each fish has a job. Even though you might like to eat it, each fish has a job and each, each animal has a job. And in the grand scheme of things, they all work together. Ooh. And that's like a precursor to some scriptures that we're going to get to later where we know that all things work together for good of them who are called according to the purpose. All of these things are working together for what? Good. How many times has he said good? He said good after everything he has created. He looked at it and he said it was good. And so it is, it is ironic. Uh, it's not ironic. It was actually divine plan that he said all things are working for good. And he's te teaching us about these things he's created to work together to form this thing called earth in this life form that we, we, we live in and we take for granted on a regular basis. But he created it and he said it was good. So God created them according to their kinds, every winged bird according to his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God, verse 23, God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply, fill the waters and the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth and the evening and the morning, the fifth day. So he tells him, he says, I've created all of you. I've given you the tools and the resources to be great. I've given you everything you need. And just like I did for the plants and the trees and all that good stuff to be able to multiply, I have given you the tools to multiply. Go multiply, 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 multiply. And in doing so, we have these multitudes and these schools of fish. We have birds that fly in packs. And so that's what he did on the fifth day. And then, and God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw it. And what did he say? It was good. <laughs> And, but here, here, he says, let everything bring forth, let the earth bring forth. God literally, y'all, this is how amazing God is. He speaks. He's probably sitting on his throne and he speaks and he says, let the earth bring forth these things. Come on, animals. Here we go. Here you go. Come on up. Come on up. Come on up. And he causes these things to fall into submission. And animals... Happen. So we have fish and birds and beasts. I'm going to go ahead and debunk this. There are multiple words in the, the original languages for beast. This word beast is not an evil term, but is a term for creature uh, and for animal. Uh, so bring forth living cre creatures according to their, their kinds, livestock. So the big ones, the ones that we eat uh, and we ride on and creeping things, things that are low to the ground, like reptiles and, and amphibians and all that stuff. And beasts of the earth, like dogs and coyotes and lions and jaguars, according to their kinds. And it was so, and God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the earth, the ground according to its kind. And God saw it and said it was good. So he, he goes in and he goes in and he diversifies the animal. The animal kingdom is now diversified. He goes in and he calls these things to, to come into being. And he, uh, he commands the earth to, to, to birth these things that are not so these animals that were not upon the face of the deep when he was just figuring out what he wanted to do. And he speaks, let the earth bring forth these animals and the earth had no choice to obey here. Just a little bit of encouragement. If you're sitting in a dead situation or if you're sitting in a situation that makes no sense, when God speaks, 
the universe has to obey. Now, we're going to get to the creation of man here in just a second. And as we get to the creation of man in here just a second, we're going to find out that he's going to make us in his image. I'm going to get there. I hope I get there tonight. But as we're finding out that he made us in his image, indeed, we will find out later in Scripture, probably maybe in a few few hundred uh, podcasts, that when he made us, he made us, Hey, after his likeness and image, we're going to get that really quick. But he made us to have the power and the dominion that he has. And the Bible will go on to say in several more books and chapters that we have the same speaking power. So when God speaks to a situation, he, it has no choice but to respond. Because we were made after his likeness and we, because we were made after his strength, when we speak to a situation, if we speak with conviction and with assurance, it has to bow. I think that's just one of the most amazing things that God does for us in our time and in our time here on earth. Oh, now next time I know, I know I just jumped all ahead of myself, but I'm glad we're here. Verse 26. And then God said, let us make man in our image after our likening, like, 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 like Ness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, over the earth, and over the creeping things that creeps on the earth. Now, so people we see, and God said, let us. So that means that somebody had to be existent, in existence. Now, we can fast forward several, chapters, several books and chapters all the way to the first, the first verse of the first chapter of John which we understand that later I will break it down to you and why this is important. But it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Now we're speaking about Jesus. And so here in the beginning, in the foundations of the earth, God had his baby boy there present. And so we must assume that he had the Holy Spirit there because he is God in what? Three persons. And so we know that he is God in three persons and understanding such truth, we know he said, let us make man. So the three of them, let us make man in our image. And so here's the here's a difference. We notice that he's making these commands and these dictations and the earth is coming together as we know it. And he's doing all of these things and these wonderful things as he is speaking. Now he has to make command to both the Holy Spirit and to Jesus as he says, let us make man after our image. This is a new project. I understand we've been working on some other things. We cause the grass of the fields to come up. We have called these trees to sprout. We've caused the waters to flow. We've separated earth from heaven. We've done all of these things. We've separated night from day, and we have spoke all of these days. But today, let us make man because man is special. And we're going to make man after our likeness. Man is going to have dominion when he gets, when we finish making it, we're going to give him dominion. Man is going to have power. But here's the thing. We're going to let us, we're going to make man after our image, which means that man is going to have physical characteristics, but man is going to have a soul. Mm. Oh my God. Yes. Man is going to have a soul. Man is going to have a power. Man is going to have something that the rest of these animals do not have. Something that the rest of creation does not have. I love my angels, but they're going to have something that the angels do not have. Let us make man in our image. After our likeness, he's going to have attributes just like I got. He's going to be my baby, my baby boy, my baby girls, my children. And them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens. So he says, let us make man after our image and after our likeness. He says, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. So I'm going to make man, but man is about to rule some things. And over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. That's amazing. We belong to the human race. He said, let us make man. And I'm going to leave man in charge. I'm going to make him like me, like God. You, you, yeah, y'all, this is deep. Because he is the same God that just spoke over the other few days. He just called all of existence into being. So whether this was day one of 6,000 years or this was day one of 6 million years, he just spoke. 
and life that came into being. And after life came into being, he says, I'm going to hand it over to you with whom I've just created. Not somebody that he has rapport with, not somebody who is in existence. I'm going to create your you, and I'm going to give you power. Power. Dominion. Authority. You. You and me. Simply amazing. So he gives them dominion. Yeah, and not, not just weak dominion. He really gives them dominion. So I know that you're getting excited, and I'm really getting excited about the words. So I'm going to stop right here, and we're going to pick up at verse 27 next time. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to go back and read these verses. Read these verses. We have just read Genesis 1 through 26, and we have gone through them, and we have done uh, a, some modicum of diligence. But I want you to do your due diligence. I want you to read these words and I want you to develop your own opinions of them after now that I've explained them. But I want you to re really, really search the word. Search the word. I don't want you to just take my word for it. I want you to go and get what God is trying to tell you. Now, if you have questions, go to ReverendCoacher.com, find this post, make some comments and ask some questions and I will get back to your questions on the next post. Okay? Now, if you're looking for ways to download this, you can download this through iTunes, iTunes, Bible School with Reverend Kojo. If you're going to ReverendKojo.com, I guess I'll make this downloadable on the website. You can get this along with any notes that I should have tonight. I didn't have notes. I was, I was really, really, I've been studying this thing for a long time. When I have notes and I do have sermon notes or, or scripture notes, I will make sure that I post those along with the podcast. I want this to be a study experience, people, okay? And so as a study experience does not just mean that I teach it and you don't follow up. Get in the word. The point of this is I want us to be biblical scholars. I want us to understand this word and be in it and understand it with great truth, okay? Only way to do that is to get it, be like the, like the church in Acts, and diligently receive the word. When I, I speak the word, and others speak the word, receive the word. But go back to the scriptures and, and search these scriptures down for what God is saying to you. Okay? All right. This has been Bible School with Reverend Kojo.